here two weeks ago. Up here, we're going to be looking at another signal that this world desperately needs us as Christians to be shining out in our dark world, and that is the truth. Truth is a much more interesting topic for me to preach on today than it was, say, 30 years ago. You guys understand, truth has made a dramatic shift from how it used to be perceived, like when I was a child and when some of you were parents, And the reason that it's changed so much is because truth is rooted in trust. And our trust for most institutions and sources of information has completely fallen apart in our culture. Years ago, if you went to the doctor and he told you to do something, you did it. Now, when everybody says you need to go get the vaccine, you go on the internet and you start looking up mRNA vaccines Or your kid, you've got a brand new baby, and you hear all this information that vaccines cause autism. And what's funny to me, and I'm not trying to pass any judgment on this, we're just recognizing the world has changed. Back when polio was a big deal, I saw pictures where parents just lined their kids up to get the jab. And kids just went through a line and took that polio vaccine super fast. The world and our views of vaccines have changed dramatically. Our view of the government has changed dramatically. A long time ago, everybody trusted the government. They trusted what they were doing. With the exception of Lee Harvey Oswald being a sole gunman, I looked that up. At no point has over half of America ever believed that he acted alone. But for the most part, people trusted the government. That is not the case anymore. I feel like it's much worse. Republicans don't trust Democrats. Democrats don't trust Republicans. Finding the truth on any matters, even things that seem numerical, like the budget or uh, how to fight inflation, everybody comes to the table with a different set of facts, and as a result, they can never come to any shared conclusion. And if the church told you something 30 years ago, you believed it. But that's not the case anymore. People no longer trust their pastors or trust what I have to say up here. Instead, they go home and they get on their phone and they Google whatever it is that they want to find. And they'll find some pastor or some church saying what they want to hear. That What we've seen is that as these trust in institutions has diminished, so has belief in what they are saying is actually true. And the result then is a proliferation of differing sources of truth. I think it's really interesting that we can line these things up that as the erosion of trust has continued to decline, so have we seen the increase in our access to knowledge through the internet and through cable television and all sorts of information around us. Also, as trust in our institutions has declined, we've seen a decline in Christian uh, activity. People don't go to church as much. The basic values and morals that even those who weren't church attenders held on to in the 70s and the 80s, we've seen that decline as we've seen trust in institutions decline. So now, You can watch the news station that lines up with what you believe, while somebody else is watching a different news station with totally different facts that line up with what they believe. So when you both talk about what's going on in the news, it's like you're completely experiencing two different worlds. 
You can read all about the health diagnosis and treatment options for your symptoms online rather than trusting what your doctor tells you he thinks you have and you're going to do. You go to WebMD and you're like, well, actually, I think I have this super rare disease and I need to get to Mayo right now. Like, we, and we all understand it's just changed a lot. You can find out anything about any topic, basically, that's going to support your beliefs and what you think to be true. And so all this information that gives us all sorts of different answers, rather than making us more informed, has really driven us apart as a culture. We stopped trusting the opinions of experts because we realized that the so-called experts don't really agree with one another. So each person holds to their own truth based on who they're willing to trust, but few of our truths are actually overlapping because we're finding our source of truth all over the map. It just becomes a confusing mess. Let's just call it what it is. And it's led people to be much further from one another relationally. It's created walls and barriers, and it's led us to be much further from God. And it's put walls and barriers between us and God. Here's the thing. This issue of a failure to trust your source of truth is not new to just our last 20 or 30 years. Where, who we're going to trust, who we're going to say, that's where I find truth, has been at issue as long as humans have been on this earth. Let's take a look at where the Bible begins. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. We see the very first issue where somebody has to decide who do they trust and what is the truth. You know, so God told Adam, Adam, you got all the trees in this garden that I made for you, and you can eat from any one of them, but don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But let's read Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Eve wasn't there when God gave that instruction to Adam. She heard it secondhand through her husband. Okay, chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. She added that detail or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What we see in this moment is that Eve had to decide who she trusted. Did she trust the word that came from God through her husband not to eat from this tree? Or did she trust this serpent who came along and said, you really think you're going to die if you eat from this tree? It was an issue of trust here. And as she decided who she trusted, she was defining which truth she wanted to be hers. And you know which truth sounded better? That she could be like God. And so she chose to trust the serpent. She chose to accept that truth. She grabbed from the fruit and she ate it and her eyes were opened. And we know the rest of the story. This is the root of where all of the sin and all of the chaos and all of the disease came in to our world. 
and made it the broken world that we now live in. Does that not sound familiar, though? People chasing their own truth, whatever truth that satisfies their itching ears. Even people who have been raised in the church are running to find different truths that are more convenient or more comfortable for themselves. And you can find it. If you don't like the truth in your church, if you don't like the truth that somebody has told you, you can go find an alternative version that is more suitable for you. It's very easy to do in this world. And I don't want this message to become political, but so many of these issues that God laid out in the Bible as what I believe to be rather clear, the world has taken and has interpreted them in ways that are completely different. Alternative truths we have now. So marriage and gender, which are identified and clearly defined in Genesis 1 and 2 when we read through the Bible, the world looks at that now and says, well, actually, there's a lot of different ways that you can look at this. What has been traditionally the truth of what God has said, we are now saying, well, I can find a different way to look at that. I can understand that a different way, and this is okay or that's okay. And people are doing that with all sorts of facts that they read through Scripture. Another common truth people have shifted to suit their own life and their, is their own purpose. Even Christians have stopped focusing on a life that glorifies God but are instead living for their own happiness and joy, whatever that may look like. A lot of people, we've just fallen for this lie that my goal is to be happy. And my goal for my children is for them to be happy. And then we chase all sorts of silly things trying to find happiness. When God's word has told us that our goal is to glorify God. And when we do that, then we are most satisfied. But instead, we chase happiness and find that it is constantly fleeting. And we could sit around in small groups. Quite honestly, I could say, okay, get into groups of eight and talk about all the things that 30 years ago were foundational truths that everybody in this room would have believed and most people in our culture would have believed that have now shifted and are now have all sorts of different ways that people view it. And we could talk about it for hours. Because so many things that used to be foundational truth have completely shifted and been distorted. But instead, I want us to put our attention on where we can find unshifting truth. If we want to be people grounded in the truth, then what we have to do is we have to go to the source of truth, and that is God himself. Okay? God is the one who is the source of absolute truth. Everything else, no matter how solid it feels, no matter how much we trust it, and we go, I know that those facts are good. They may be good. But ultimately, if they have facts, they're rooted on what God did. Because God's the creator of life. He's creator of the heavens and the earth. Everything he did is so perfect and rightly put in its place that if you tweak just one thing like gravity or how far we are from the sun, any of those things get tweaked at all and everything in creation falls apart. God is faithful. He never lies. He is unchanging. He is this perfect God who has done everything for us. And he's put into place this world that now we're trying to understand. And we see that science tries to, they describe it. But God defined it. And that's an important thing for us to recognize. So many people say, well, I don't put my truth in God. I put my truth 
in science. My trust is in science. But we have to understand, science doesn't create anything. All science does is describe the way that God created the world. God defined everything. And science is our way of grasping it, understanding it, and saying, oh, this is the magic number that holds everything together, the strong and the weak force, and there's all sorts of crazy numbers that God created that are completely constant. And so what we see is God is the source of absolute truth. Everything that is true stems from him. But the two things specifically that he's given to us are his word and his son. So we have God's word given to us. As Psalm 119 verse 160 says, the psalmist writes, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. God's righteous rules don't move. They don't get canceled out. We don't get to just say, I don't like that one. I'm going to pick and choose. John 17, 17. Jesus says these words over his disciples. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The recorded word of God is perfect, without error, and teaches us all the truth that we need that leads to salvation and holiness. But I want to point out two caveats that we have to hold on to when we look at God's word. Because some people, I think, take God's word and stretch it a bit too far to get to the truths that they want to get to. So first, some people think that the Bible has the answer to every single question that they might ask. Like if God's word is true, then that's where I can find every answer. The Bible doesn't tell you who you should marry. We understand that. Like, it's not that specific to each one of our lives. It does, however, lay out guidelines for the type of a person who would be a godly husband or a godly wife who would be a good fit. It lays out the boundary that says, if you're a follower of Jesus, you really shouldn't marry a non-Christian. That's going to make your marriage very hard. It has truths like that, but it doesn't give you exact answers that you may be looking for. Some people go with very specific questions, thinking that the Bible's going to answer that, but it doesn't answer every question we have. So in those situations, what we are to do is we go to God's Word and we read as much as we can about the topic we're wrestling with. And we try to gain every piece of information we can. And then from there, we talk to other people and we maybe listen to the, what the pastor and the church is saying and we pray and we say, Holy Spirit, what do you have to say on this issue? And that's how we try to come to our conclusions. But we have to understand, there are some things the Bible does not speak absolutely directly to. Secondly, we have to be careful about saying something is true just because it's in the Bible. The words written in the Bible are true, but there is an act that occurs from the written words to what we believe, and that is the act of interpretation. And all through history, there have been people who misinterpret the Bible. Well-meaning Christians read it and come to two completely different conclusions. Here's a great example of this. Baptism is talked about all over in the New Testament. We see lots of examples of it. And yet, roughly half of the Christians through all of time have been sprinkling water over infants or pouring water over infants' heads while the other half of Christians have been fully emerging people old enough to have a believing faith in Jesus. Both sides of this argument 
read the same Bible. We all believe this is God's Word. We have all the same verses, but we come to two different conclusions. And so at one point, we're going to get to heaven and find out that half of us are wrong. And in that moment, we have to have the humility to say, God, we're all trying our best to understand. We're holding your word up as true. We're not saying this, this isn't true. I'm going to do what I want to do. But we have the humility to say, there are things that I might interpret wrongly, but I'm doing my best. There's other things we have to understand. You can't just go to God's Word and pull out any verse you want willy-nilly to make it say what you want it to say. My favorite example of this is I once saw, it was an African pastor posted a verse on Facebook that was something about like just the desire of my heart, God has to give it to me. And the reference was Job chapter 10. And if you know the book of Job, you know that that's when Job's dumb friends are giving him bad advice. So when you just pull out a verse that Job's friends are saying and saying, that's from God and that's for me, you didn't take the time to read to the end of Job when God says, hey, Job, your friends are knuckleheads. Don't listen to them. Now I'm going to tell you the real truth. So we have to understand, you can't just read a verse and lift it off the page and say, this is how it applies to me. That's misinterpreting the Bible. And sometimes people do that. They say, well, the Bible says. Well, hold on. Let's go through this process of interpreting and looking at what all the Bible says. We have to rightly handle the Word of God, and I'll get to that a little bit later. All this to say, God gave us His Word, which is fully true, and we have to carefully work to understand the truth that God is communicating through it. No more, no less. God also gave us His Son, Jesus. If you remember from last week, John 1 tells us, that when God sent his son, Jesus came full of grace and truth. So last week's message was on grace. This week, I'm coming around to the truth aspect. And then in Jesus' ministry, he often spoke of the truth that he came with. In John 14, verse 6, he says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. In John 8, verse 31, 32, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, Jesus is the embodied truth of God. So where some people try to take the word of God and twist it or lift it out of context to make it say what they want it to say, it's harder to twist what Jesus did and how he lived how he treated people, what he taught, and twist those to fit ourselves. When you want to know the truth about something, the first place you should go is to look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. He is the truth of God. How did he live? How did he respond? What did he teach? Make Jesus your starting point. And all the rest of Scripture informs what Jesus is teaching. But Jesus came and he brought a new covenant. And so there are some things where Jesus says, you have heard that it is said, but I say to you. We have to understand that when we're looking at the Old Testament because Jesus even there is saying, I'm bringing this new covenant. A few things are changing. So let's look at Jesus first. He is where we see the perfection of truth embodied. So how do we live out God's truth? I already started here. We have to, these are four verses that show us our interaction with truth that we see in Scripture. First, 
rightly handle the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Will you know for certain that you are 100% right on every single belief you have about the Bible at some point in life? No. We'll never have that perfect 100% assurance until we get to heaven. We all probably have minor differences of belief, and we're all trying to read the same Bible. There are always going to be Christians who are trying to follow God's word who come to different interpretations with you, but that doesn't stop you from trying to know the truth the best you can. It doesn't get you off the hook. You want to present yourself as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed. You don't get to just do the easy work and say, well, the pastor said this, so I'm going to go with it. Or I found that on the internet, so I like that truth. I'm going to grab that first. What do you believe when you look at all of God's work, when you look at the truth of Jesus? What is it saying? Work hard to understand it, to do your best, to study and humbly listen to what it is saying. It might change your perspective on some things. You might find that you're more assured in what you believe. Listen to the Holy Spirit, but God also gives us others. So we do listen to the voice of others that we trust. In community, we can try to get close. We're called to try and to care about that. Second, we put on the belt of truth. Ephesians chapter 6.14 says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Truth is the belt that holds all the armor of God together. Without truth, everything is going to fall apart. The shield is mounted to the belt. The belt holds the robe together, the cloak. Everything's based on truth. And so you have to know the truth to be able to fight the spiritual battle that we live in. However, notice that it's the belt of truth and not the club of truth. So we can't just beat people over the head with God's truth, but we instead have to follow this next verse. Ephesians 4.15, which was a little earlier in that letter, says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. I need to spend a little extra time on this point as I think it's the main point that we have to look at today that we have to demonstrate to the world. I don't think any of you probably disagree with the statement I made that God is the ultimate source of absolute truth. But the world doesn't agree with that. If somebody came in here who's not a Christian, they would have been doing this the whole time I said that. The world doesn't agree. They don't trust God and they don't trust us. So our secular culture has come to a completely different version of what is true for them than what God, as we see in the Bible, has established. And here's the rub. Here's where our message really meets the road. We believe in one set of facts and truth because of the one we trust. And they believe in a completely contrary set of facts because they trust their heart. The situation reminds me of what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, verse 25. He said, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator. And now we live in this world surrounded by people who have exchanged their truth of God for a lie. 
And we have to figure out, how are we going to live among them? While we have two totally different sets of facts. And that's tough because sometimes it feels like when we say up, they think we mean down. It sometimes feels that backwards. I'm sure you guys have been in those conversations with people before where you're like, wow, we, we don't line up on anything right now. So how do we have that conversation? How do we interact with these people? And more than that, try to help them see the truth of God. The answer is we have to speak the truth in love. We cannot beat them up with the club of truth. We cannot just say, well, the Bible says they don't care about the Bible. They don't care. So if that's your starting sentence, they're like, I don't care. We can't get angry with them. We can't just be proud and be like, well, you're thinking the wrong way because when we're proud, when we have this attitude of I'm right and you're wrong, they turn us off instantly. And it doesn't matter who's right. Your approach dictates whether they're able to hear the truth that you're speaking or not. People decide very quickly, is this a conversation I want to engage in or is this a conversation I don't? And so we have got to be able to speak with love. We've got to be able to have them see we're not having this conversation and presenting an alternate truth that they don't believe because we want to show them that we're right and they're wrong. We're having this conversation because we truly want what's best for them. Until they believe that you love them so much that your truth is not just to say, I'm right, you're wrong, but it's to say, I want better for you. I want you to know God and God's truth is the better way. It makes more sense of this whole world. You're going down a path that's leading you to emptiness. And I see it with all sorts of your friends and I want best for you and I want you to know God. When they see that that's your heart, then they'll listen. But if they feel like you're just pounding truth and you're just saying, this is right and this is wrong, they'll say, no, you're wrong and I'm right. And end of conversation. So here's where the constant phrase, grace and truth, has to come together. Remember how Jesus came full of grace and truth. When we interact with people who see the world completely differently than us, we need both grace and truth to be balanced. Grace says God loves you and he gave his son for you and he's willing to forgive you and he's going to give you everything at his disposal. All of his abundance can be yours if you turn to God. That's grace. Truth says God still has a standard. And that doesn't change. No matter how you feel about it, God's standard isn't going to move. When the woman was caught in adultery in John chapter 8 and they were ready to stone her, Jesus said, he who is without sin, throw the first stone. He showed that woman grace in that moment. Everybody dropped their rocks and they walked away. And then he turned to that woman and he said, now go and sin no more. He held truth. He didn't just show grace and say, you're fine. Just keep living your life how you want to live your life. He showed the grace and he brought back the standard of truth. We have to be people who live in the tension of grace and truth. 
one without the other and we get unbalanced and people see us as judgmental or angry or we just say anything goes, keep living your life how you want to live your life and God says, no, 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 that's not the way to contentment and to life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We need people to live their lives in alignment with Jesus, the truth. It's a challenging line to walk. Fortunately, we are given a helper. Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. These conversations with people can be very challenging. They can be hard. You've probably been in a conversation that was challenging hard where your truths didn't line up with somebody and feelings were hurt. We've probably all been in those situations. We have to prepare ourselves. God, when we're in these times, Spirit of God, lead me in this conversation that I can be balanced in grace and truth. So rather than responding like the world the next time and getting angry and choosing to fight, or passively and silently avoiding their deviation from God's truth. We need to follow the Spirit's lead to lovingly and kindly. When the time is right, that's a key to it. When the time is right, speak the truth in love into the situation, praying that God will use your challenge to their truth to move them closer to Him. Fourth point, we worship in spirit and truth, as I brought up this morning. John 4, 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So when we worship God, we aren't to just sing songs to the God made in whatever image we want. We don't just say, lovey-dovey baby Jesus who's amazing and accepts me just the way I am all the time and never expects anything from me. That's making Jesus into our image and worshiping that. That's exactly what that Romans 1 passage said. They made God in their own image and carved idols and they worshiped that. We don't do that. We worship the truth of who God is. And that's why it's important to rightly divide the word of truth so that we know who God is. And we worship the true God, not the image we make him into that makes us feel most comfortable. The, word, the world is running around for a foundation of truth to base their lives on. And there's no shortage of answers available to them all. Offering to receive their allegiance and take their trust. Unfortunately, all the answers that they find are just idols. And they all come up short. As Christians, we know the only place absolute truth can be found. We have the only firm foundation a person can build their life on. And our job is to first know the truth by rightly handling the word of truth, and second, to put on the belt of truth, thereby living our lives according to how God has called us to. And when we come to a place of conflict where our truth and that of a friend or a child or a neighbor or a coworker seem to be in conflict, we lovingly and graciously and seeking their best speak God's truth to them. We can't come across angry and judgmental, but we have to show them from our firm foundation of truth that that's why we believe something different because we start here and you start there. And we at least try to help them see why we have this difference and why we think our way is right. 
We want them to see that we truly want God's best for them, and that is relationship with the God of the universe who will love them and challenge them and form them to be the person he created them to become. As long as we have breath, that is the signal of truth that we need to be shining out into this dark world. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray?